0: Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair, and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. You're listening to Wannabe Minimalist with Deanna Yates, episode number 129. On today's episode, we're looking at some shocking clutter statistics. Sure, we know clutter can have a significant impact on our wallets, our relationships, and our time, but do you know how big the problem really is? Well, listen up. You're about to find out. Hey there, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. It is so nice to be back. We were in Arizona last week visiting my parents, and we had a lovely time. There was delicious food, of course. My mom is a great cook, and she's a wonderful baker. So we had turkey and pies. We had all of the Thanksgiving sides, and of course, the leftovers. I love Thanksgiving leftovers. I am a sucker for the Thanksgiving leftovers. I just love a turkey stuffing and cranberry sandwich. Am I alone in that one? I don't think so. I really wish I had some leftovers right now to eat that for lunch, but that is okay. It was also just really great to catch up and spend time with my parents. We played lots of board games and family games together, and we got to reconnect, and it was lovely. But even as much fun as we had, it is good to be back and settled at home. The weather has been super fall-like, and it's perfect for decorating for Christmas. We have the lights up outside, and we'll be putting up the tree later today, um, and complete with hot chocolate and holiday tunes, and I am so looking forward to it. However, there is one thing about the holidays that is not so merry, and since you are listening to the show, I'm sure you can guess what it is. Yep, I am talking about clutter. And as we head into full gift giving mode, and I'm sure there were lots of things purchased over the Black Friday slash Cyber Monday weekend, I want to share some statistics about clutter that might help put some things into perspective and maybe help you not go so overboard this year. And even if you're not on board with decluttering over these last few weeks of 2022, I totally get it. I want you to have all of the information that you need when the calendar flips to 2030 and those New Year's resolutions come out to play. Before the show gets away from me, though, I do want to say thank you so much for joining me. If you are returning, I am happy that you're back, and if you are new, well, welcome to the show. I'm thrilled to have you here. This is also where I like to highlight a review that we have received, and if you would like your own shout out, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review so that I can read it out too. This one's from last month. Katie, Katie, Katie three writes, quote, a favorite. I discovered this podcast a while back and listened to every episode. Deanna gives lots of great tips, has interesting guests and seems like such a sweet and kind person. There to offer support and cheer, not judgment. My house has some clutter, not loads, but I enjoy listening to the podcast, especially while I'm cleaning. I find it very motivating. And the wannabe minimalist Facebook group is great too. I hope there will be another challenge again soon because I found it to be so much fun and got so much accomplished, end quote. Well, Katie, I hope I can call you that. I am so happy to to be able to help you on your journey. I love that you enjoyed the 515 challenge. That one was a lot of fun for me too. And I'll have to come up with another one as we head into the new year. So keep an eye out for that on the Facebook group. And so thank you for the very nice review and also letting me know what you love so that I can bring you more of it. And if you're listening to this and you want to join Katie in the group, you can find it on Facebook. Just look for Wannabe Minimalist Family, or you can click on the link in the show notes. I will definitely have it there as well. And we would absolutely love to have you. And speaking of show notes, today's episode can be found at wannabeclutterfree.com slash 129. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 129. I'm going to be listing off a lot of statistics about clutter, and if you want to know where my numbers come from, well, then you can find all of that information on my website with links to everything, so be sure to check it out. And with that, well, let's get to it. So more and more research is coming out about how clutter has a significant impact on our wallets and our relationships. We know clutter can lead to wasted money because it's usually one of the first reactions that I hear when I help people go through their stuff. They look at all the money that was wasted on items now in storage, heading to the donation center, or worse, headed for the landfill. We also waste a lot of time when it comes to clutter, and that is arguably our most precious asset because we spend hours looking for misplaced items. I cannot tell you how many times I used to lose my keys, and thus started my day in a panic and a bad mood and stressed out and all of those things before I got organized. But more than that, clutter can damage our relationships because it stresses us out so much. And it is clear that decluttering is important not just for our happiness, but for our health and well-being as well. And we will hear some really eye-opening statistics in just a second. And clutter is not just a big problem here in America, it's a big problem in the world. But as an American, I know that I am constantly bombarded with advertisement, telling me that I need the latest and greatest gadget, the newest fashion trends, the shiniest car. I mean, how many ads did you get thrown at you this past week? I mean, it was obnoxious. I unsubscribed from so many emails this last week, and I actually made it a point to not send you emails this week because... It was so just crazy. I kept getting so many emails and so many like Black Fridays are still going on and it's Cyber Monday and you didn't miss out and we're extending it and all this kind of stuff. And it was just like, come on, it's such garbage, right? we know that you were going to extend it anyway. This isn't anything new. You're not fooling us. And so I purposely wanted to stay out of that melee. So hopefully you found my um, email. If you're on my email list, you found my email early Friday morning, wasn't obnoxious, and was actually helpful for you if you were going out and Black Friday shopping. I was not selling you anything. It was just helpful tips if you were going out to buy things. So hopefully that was not um, adding to the craziness. And I've lived enough places to know that the rest of the world is catching up, right? We live in a culture of consumption, and it can be hard to break out of that mindset. But I want us to take a step back, and I want us to look at the numbers. I want us to get that hard evidence. Please be warned, though. The statistics on clutter, they're a bit shocking. But I think that we're all grown-ups, and when you have this information, it's going to help you make better choices going forward. So that's what I'm hoping for today. It's a lot. It can be overwhelming, but I think we can do better, and I think this will help us be able to live more to our values, okay? So when we look at the data from a poll across the United States on why people are experiencing difficulties organizing their homes, these were the top three answers. Number one, 33% of people said they had a lack of space. Number two, 27% of people said they couldn't find the time. They had trouble finding the time to declutter. And Number three, 25% said they had too much stuff. Now, of course, people are entitled to their opinions, and this is what they feel are the problems in their home. But I really believe that third answer, too much stuff, is the biggest source of frustration for families today. The good news is, it is totally fixable. So the following statistics have been broken up into categories. Categories and I want to start with space in the home. After all, that was the top answer from the poll. It was the lack of space. So let's take a look at what that actually means and if we're actually suffering from it. So did you know that 25% of people don't have room to park in their garage at all? And one third of people can only park one car in their garage due to clutter. I'm, I'm not surprised, really. As a Californian, I see cars parked outside all year round because The weather is simply nice enough that we can do that. We also don't have a lot of basements in California. So I can see why people use their garages' extra space. They use it for storage. They use it for other things. We personally, in our home, we use our garage also as our gym. So I talked about our Peloton that we had the other week. My husband has um, weight equipment. So he has a rack and and a, you know, I don't do a lot of the weight stuff. So he's got the big old weights that he puts on the bar and the bench and all the stuff, right? Um, But we only have one car in our house, so we are able to park that one car in the garage. My husband does also have a motorcycle that also fits in the garage. So we are using the space to the fullest, and I would not say that we lack for space. We are using it to its potential. But here's another one for you. 50% of people claim that the garage is the most disorganized space in the home. Again, not a surprise because it's out of sight, out of mind. And removing junk, quote unquote, was the top answer for how people could like their garage more. Makes sense, right? The garage is the catch-all. That's our dumping ground. That's where we put all the stuff we don't know what to do with. And so if we can remove that junk, quote unquote, again, um, it makes it easier to use the space. Here's another stat. There are 24% of homeowners who are embarrassed to leave their garage doors open. Again, some of these are not that surprising, right? But I don't think that space is really the problem when you look at the hard facts. I told you some of these were going to be difficult. Here's what's going on. The medium single-family home is now a whopping 2,532 square feet. That is the latest stat that we have from 2021. So it's a very recent stat. 2,500 square feet. That's the average size, the median single-family home. So that's big. That's a lot of space. In 1950, to put that in perspective, it was 983 square feet. And in 1970, it was 1,500 square feet. So our homes have gotten bigger, but we're still complaining of space issues. So I'm not sure space is really the problem. We have the space. We're just filling it up. So, what do we do? Well, we turn to storage units. And our next group of statistics is all about this expanding market. So, did you know that 10.6% of US households rent a storage unit, even though 65% of these households have a garage? Mm -hmm. And of those self storage renters that live in a single family home with a garage, 33% of those homes also have a basement. So, what are we using all this space for? We have So much stuff. And here's where things get a little crazy. I know I thought it was already crazy, but it gets a little crazier. There are over 49,000 storage units in the US, which is more than McDonald's and Starbucks locations combined. So, you know how many Starbucks and McDonald's you see when you're driving around town? Just think there are more storage units in the US than there are McDonald's and Starbucks locations combined, combined, not individually, combined. And the national average for a storage unit per month is $89.12. Now, that's over $1,000 per year spent on storing stuff outside of our homes per unit. And again, there are over 49,000 storage units in the U.S. That is a lot of money that we are spending on stuff that we're not even using because it's in a storage unit. Now, if you've had a storage unit before, I've had a storage unit before, if you've had one, you know it is not something, it's not somewhere you're going regularly, right? And I think they have a place, right? They are great for. we used a storage unit when we traveled. And it was great to have, be able to have our stuff somewhere that we could come back and get it. We knew it was a temporary solution for us. So they definitely have their place. But if we're using it just to put things off site that we never see, we never use, we never look at, how better can we use that money? And that all adds up, right? The annual U.S. revenue for self-storage facilities is $36 billion. That is enough to buy 34 grande cold brew coffees from Starbucks for every single person in the United States. Now that equates to almost three per month or one every 10 days. It's a lot. But how much space do these storage units take up? <laughs> it gets crazy again. The total amount of self storage space. So now we're not talking money; we're talking about the actual space that they take up. It totals 2.3 billion square feet. That is equal to 82.5 square miles. And if you want to put that another way, if you combine all of the self self storage facilities, they would be almost the size of Las Vegas. The entire city of Las Vegas is 83.3 square miles. That's how big our storage unit consumption is in the U.S. You know how life doesn't stick to a schedule? Well, why should your paycheck? That's where EarnIn comes in. It's an app that lets you access the money you've earned right when you need it, not just on payday. Imagine this, your dog suddenly needs a vet or your kid has a little accident and needs a dentist, ASAP. We've been there and waiting for your payday in those situations just doesn't make sense and it adds unnecessary stress. With EarnIn, you can pull up to $100 per day or up to $750 each pay period directly from your earnings without the crazy fees or interest rates. It's super simple. Download the EarnIn app, verify your paycheck, and get access to your earnings as you earn them. You decide what to tip, and whatever you use gets settled on your next payday. More than 3.5 million users are finding relief and a sense of security with EarnIn, calling it a lifeline for financial stability that peace of mind, it's priceless, and it could be yours. Ready to give it a try? Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the EarnIn app, type in clutter under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help out the show. That's clutter under podcast. EarnIn is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member
1: FDIC.
0: And I mean, is this stuff really worth it? So here are some statistics about how much money we spend on all this stuff. So worldwide, women control over $31.8 trillion in spending. And in the U.S., women make up more than half of the population and control or influence 85% of consumer spending. Now, one of the biggest industries globally is the apparel industry it is worth an amazing $2.4 trillion. And I know a lot of times women get associated with clothing. So let's take a look at that. The average household spends around 3.8% of their income on clothing. Families bring home an average of $64,000, actually $64,175 annually. And they spend around $2,440 on clothing per year. More than 50% of women claim 25% of their wardrobe sits in the closet collecting dust, and this equates to around $600 thrown out the window. The average person buys 7.8 pairs of shoes per year. For a family of four, that means 31.2 pairs of shoes per year, and 32% of women own more than 25 pairs of shoes. 73% 73% of women update 25% of their closet every three months, and 15% of women don't have any clothes older than five years in their wardrobes. Whew. Okay, so lots of statistics there on how much we spend on clothes and how we feel about our clothes and how many clothes we buy, but not all of our spending is on clothes. So retail sales of home organization products reached $16 billion, one, six billion, with a B in 2016, and is projected to generate $19.5 billion in retail sales by 2021. Americans collectively spend $2.7 billion, again with a B, dollars every year, two-thirds of us spending up to $50 yearly, replacing items that they can't find. And the average American spends $18,000 per year on non-essential items, which then equates to credit card debt totaling $1.072 trillion with a T dollars. Now, there's one more interesting statistic that I ran across when I was doing my research, and it's about keeping an extra refrigerator or freezer in your garage. So this is if this is you, listen up. If that refrigerator or freezer was manufactured before 1990, running it can add between 250 to 300 dollars a year to your utility bill. Now, I know that's not a crazy amount of money, but it's not pocket change either. So we have to understand that all of these things are connected, and we can be saving a lot of money if we just would get a rain on our clutter. Okay, so what happens to all this stuff? Right, we're buying all this stuff, we're bringing all this stuff home, we want all the new things, right? But let's take a look at a few statistics when it comes to discarding these things. It's pretty grim. The U.S. throws away up to 11.3 million tons of textile waste each year. And that's around 2,150 pieces of clothing each second, every second. So how many times? I mean, I think I just this whole statistic maybe took five seconds to talk about. That's over 10,000 pieces of clothing have been discarded while I've been talking about this. That's crazy. And that leaves the average American throwing away about 81 pounds of clothing every year that's heavier than my daughter. She's nine years old. It's heavier than her. (laughs) We throw away more clothes per person on average than a child, right? Like that's a lot of weight. That's a lot of clothing. And studies have shown that people throw out clothing after wearing them an average of just seven to 10 times, seven to 10 times. That's not that many times. So these are the reasons why I talk so much about capsule wardrobes and why I love them so much because we get more wares per or we get kind of more use per wear, right? Or dollars per wear. We get to, you know, we get to save money because we're using them more. We do a lot of mix and matching. I can't imagine throwing out my clothes by wearing them just seven to ten times. And we have to address the environmental impact of all this clothing because this is a big problem, right? Right. So most clothing around the world is made with polyester. It's a synthetic fiber. It's derived predominantly from petroleum, which is oil. And it's taken over cotton as the main textile in the 21st century. So we used to hear so much about cotton, the fabric of our lives, and all the things like that with their slogan. And, you know, it's ending hundreds of years of cotton's dominance, right? the Polyester is just taking over. The global market for polyester yarn is expected to grow from 106 billion in 2022 to 174.7 billion by 2032. In just 10 years, it's going to almost double. And in 2015, polyester production for clothing was responsible for admitting 282 billion tons of carbon dioxide, triple that of cotton. And additionally, synthetic fabrics like polyester, we've been hearing a lot of this lately, they shed tiny pieces of plastic when they're washed. And these plastic particles, they're called microplastics. And they pollute the oceans, fresh water, land. They pose a danger to the animals that consume them. And then that actually flows up through the food chain. So we are finding microplastics in humans now, right? So scientists in Australia estimate that between 9.25 and 15.86 million tons of microplastics can be found on the ocean floor. And that means our fish are eating them, the small fish, then the bigger fish, and then, you know, then us and animals and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it just makes its way up through the food chain. This is not you know, it's a full cycle, right? Circle of life. And so it all comes back around. And so now we're finding these microplastics in ourselves and in all of our products. So according to data from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, that's the EPA, around 70% of discarded clothing ends up in landfills, while only 13% was recycled into either new clothing or for another use. And the sad part is that that data is probably underestimated because donated clothes often end up in landfills in other countries like Ghana and Chile and places where maybe we're not getting the full statistic back, uh, you know, to what's happening to them. So this is a lot, right? We're buying a lot of clothes and we're not wearing it very long or it's fast fashion and it's wearing out quickly. It ends up in landfills. And, you know, this, this cycle is just happening, right? And it's not really getting better. And so one way we can do that is to put a stop to buying so much and stopping the clutter from coming in in the first place. So then finally, I want us to take a look at the toll clutter takes on our mental energy. So the National Association of Professional Organizers, that's NAPO, reports that on average, we spend one year of our lives looking for lost items. That's over 8,700 hours, 8,700 hours looking for lost or misplaced things. An additional 4.5 hours a week is spent looking for digital documents. 23% of adults admit to paying bills late because they lost them. 54% of Americans are overwhelmed by the amount of clutter they have, but 78% have no idea what to do with it. 80% of the items people keep are never used. 78% 78% of U.S. workers live paycheck to paycheck. Women's stress levels are directly proportional to the amount of stuff in their homes. And I talked about this recently on episode 127 on why minimalism is essential for moms. So check that out if you want to. When living in cluttered spaces, people are more likely to make poor eating choices. And so those with extremely cluttered homes are 77% more likely to be overweight. And so now our clutters affecting our health as well. But there is some good news. It's not all terrible doom and gloom because once we can flip the switch and start getting rid of our clutter, it actually eliminates 40% of housework in average homes. People are more productive, they're less irritable, and they are, you know, less distracted in a clutter-free space. In a survey of over 4,000 Brits in 2007, 81% said that a tidy up improved their mood and women were also more likely to have their spirits lifted by a tidy house than men. Again, goes back to that statistic about women's stress levels being related to, our, to the stuff and the clutter in our homes. And those who completed a decluttering project within the last year, the vast majority of those people said that it made them feel better about themselves. And 72.6% of the respondents who decluttered within the last year said that their homes overall felt less cluttered and more organized. And 61.7% agreed it reduced their stress levels. So, it's a lot to think about. It's a lot going on here with our clutter and all of our stuff. But as you can see, those statistics, they're pretty eye-opening. We are living in homes today that are on average three times as large as they were 70 years ago. But the average family size is actually shrinking. So do we really think we need more stuff as humans today than we did 70 years ago? I mean, sure, some things are great, and and we've made a lot of progress in areas like technology. So there are definitely some new things that we need, and we should be fine getting into our homes. But I don't know that we need three times as much stuff as we had 70 years ago. So I'd say not, especially when you look at how much debt we owe as a society. And how many people are living paycheck to paycheck? So those two together, I mean, it adds to a person's stress. It makes it harder to branch out and, you know, try new things or just have more freedom and more time to just enjoy life in general. And looking at these numbers, you might be feeling some relief that your situation may not seem that bad, or you could see that there are others that are in the same boat that you are. No matter how these statistics stack up for you, the fact of the matter is that as a society, we own more things than previous generations, and it is not a sustainable system. So over the next few weeks, I'll be chatting about letting go of our clutter and what we can do instead of decluttering, actually. I've been around long enough to know that decluttering is not all it's cracked up to be. It's hard, no one really wants to do it, and it takes up more time than we'd like. So how do I suggest we deal with all of our clutter then? Well, you're going to have to come back over the next few weeks to find out. So take a moment to subscribe so that you don't miss it when that podcast episode comes out. And with that, I want to turn to you. I want to know what the most interesting statistic about clutter that you heard today was. Like, what what did you find the most interesting? Come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist Family Group on Facebook and share. I would love to know. And I know that the other members would, too. So let's share and motivate each other and just have a really interesting discussion over there. And don't forget, you can get the links for all of the sources for these statistics. I know there was a lot that I rattled off today, and you can get it all on my website at wannabeclutterfree.com 129. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 129. And as always, thank you for joining me. If you made it this far, I would be thrilled if you left me a review on Apple Podcast. Your reviews make my day, and it helps me know what you want to hear more of, or maybe some extra challenges you'd like me to throw in the mix as well. And with that, I hope you have a fabulous day, and I will see you back here next week. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wannabe Minimalist. Cheers.
2: No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids, because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack.